1: Thank you for tuning to this Wednesday edition of the podcast. We certainly are thankful for each and every one of you listening. Thankful for the folks in Blaine, Pennsylvania listening. Heard some folks the other morning listen to the podcast, and we certainly appreciate that. And we got some folks homeschooling down in North Carolina, said so they're going to be listening each and every night. If you'd like to listen to the services this week from the Blaine services, they're on time.net. They're under Evangelist Tim McVeigh's tab, and then you click another tab and another tab, and you might be able to find it in there. And so I hope that's a help. And as we're in the services, we'll be there tonight at 7 o'clock, tomorrow morning at 10.30 once again with a special guest speaker, and then each night, Thursday and Friday night, 7 p.m. And just looking forward to what the Lord is going to do. If you're unable to attend, would you at least pray for the services, pray the Lord just have his will and his way, and that he would do all that he needs to do in the services. We would not hinder him, and certainly folks that would not resist him, but they would be obedient to the Spirit of God. We're in Matthew chapter 15, back in verse 13. But he answered and said, every plant which my heavenly father hath not planted shall be rooted up. That's the seed of the word of God. He's already given us the illustration in parable when he spoke of the parable of the sower and he explained the seed is the word of God. That word of God must fall on good ground. So the Calvinists use this verse, try to run with this. So God plants the seed and God does the work. If he had done this work, it's going to be rooted up unless God somehow intervened. And yet we believe in the free will of man. We believe in the, that man has a choice in salvation. He can choose to believe. He can choose not to believe. That is in every man that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so a man hears the word of God, that seed, that good seed, and it falls on good ground and begins to grow, begin to sprout, and eventually it will bring forth fruit. That's the illustration that Jesus Christ has given us. And so when he tells us in this passage, every plant which my heavenly father hath not planted shall be rooted up. It's not fatalism. It's not predestination, uh, according to election, as some would say. But no, it's because that seed has fallen on good ground. And that good ground is a receptive heart. That good ground is a heart willing to receive the word of God, to understand the word of God. Jesus Christ just told us a couple of verses ago to hear and to understand. And it's necessary to hear the word of God, for that faith cometh by hearing, but then to have understanding of the things of God. In verse 14, he said, let them alone. They be leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. And so he says, don't mess with the Pharisees. Don't mess with the scribes. They're leading the blind. Let them let them be. They're out there propagating a false gospel, a false doctrine, a lie, a deceit. And he said, just leave them alone. Let them do their own thing. Don't bother them. Why? There's much work to be done in the work of the Lord. And therefore, why bother with those that have gone against the word of God, have been indifferent to the word of God? And as he said in earlier scripture in the book of Isaiah, when he said this, he said, their heart is far from him. So he tells his disciples specifically to leave them alone because they're blind leaders are blind. If the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. People say, how do people get caught up in false religion? How do they get caught up in cults? Because they're blind. And therefore, the blind can lead the blind. They say, hey, follow me. And they don't realize they're in a ditch. Why? Because they're following someone else that's blind. And the cults have the ability to look good, sound good. Everything on the outside looks good. But internally, they're ravening wolves. They're destructive. They'll destroy men's souls. And so will false doctrine in a good church. The error comes in. A false teacher comes in. He's a wolf. He's in unawares, destroying the flock of God. I've seen him many times in my ministry. I've been in ministries involved that had a wolf in the midst, and he was there to destroy the flock of God. They're up in what God was trying to do. He said, just leave them alone. They're blind, and the blind will follow them. Then answered Peter and said unto him, declare unto us this parable. And Jesus said, Are ye also yet without understanding? I mean, can you not see this, Peter? Do you understand what I'm saying here? This is the, the Pharisees are considered great religious leaders, great spiritual leaders. The scribes are considered great spiritual leaders in Israel. But Jesus Christ is telling them, They're blind. Do not follow them. Certainly, do not do after them. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But he says to Peter, Y'all, yet without understanding. And yes, by the way, Peter was. Jesus Christ did not open his understanding until Luke 24. And then when he opened his understanding, he proclaimed to him all the things in the scriptures concerning himself, and then expounded to them the things in the law, the prophets, and the Psalms. Peter had understanding. And then when God opened Peter's eyes with understanding, and began to reveal the scriptures of Psalm 16 to us concerning the prophecy of Jesus Christ. So Peter was without understanding. Jesus Christ certainly was not speaking wrongly there. For he says, Do not yet ye understand that whatsoever entereth in at the mouth goeth into the belly and is cast out into the draft. Why is that? Because that thing that you eat is going right out the backside again. And that, that thing is passing through you. That's not what defiles you. Pork does not defile a man today. It would have defiled them because God has specifically forbidden it. Catfish does not defile a man. Lobster does not defile a man today. These things go into a man today because they've been sanctified by the word of God. They go right through us. But there's folks that deny, those reject that, say, you know, this is not, uh, you know, this is not scriptural. We shouldn't take part in it. There's, those are vegetarian. They call for the abstaining of eating meats. And yet, the word of God told us that absolutely do not forbid men to eat meat. But yet there are those that do that. And there are those that eat things, they say, well, these are strangled, offered to idols. You don't know. A pig is strangled today. It's not offered to idols, it's a slaughterhouse. You go in and it's a chicken was strangled. Well, some people had to strangle chickens. My grandmother's almost 102 years old, and she still tells her stories. I happened to go out and couldn't find the hatchet and just have to rip the head off a chicken. She was tougher than me, I guess. And that, gee, I would go, that's that's offered to idols. No, it's the, it's her heart. It's where her heart is. She went and killed a chicken for dinner. It had nothing to do with an idol. But there's this people today leading the blind around. They get all the rules in place. Everything's set up that men have to follow them. And the blind follow them. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart. And they defile the man. I guess one of the benefits of being a mute is you wouldn't sin with your mouth. You might still have a wicked heart. But at least your lips wouldn't sin. The great downfall to all of us is our mouth. That little helm that leads that ship, steers that ship through the ocean, is that mouth that also leads us. And we understand it's set on fire of hell. That tongue is such a small member, but it's set on fire of hell. The most destructive thing people have is their mouth. And yet God used that same mouth to bring glory and honor to his son. God used that same mouth to preach. God used that same mouth to reveal the word of God to us. And yet that fountain cannot bring bitter waters, can't bring sweet waters out of the same fountain. Therefore we have to sanctify our lips and what we take in it's not what's come out of us when it's awful, when it's vile, when it's wicked. Things we see, things that, that come into us, that's not what defiles us. It's what we puke out of our vile mouths and what comes out of our wretched lips, what comes through our ugly, broken, snaggled teeth. Those are the things that defile a man. Those are the things that are hurtful. Those are the things that cause problems. And then he tells us what those things are that come out of the mouth, for out of the heart proceed evil thoughts. And by the way, charity thinketh no evil. There is no evil thought when you're charitable. And yet there are those that live in evil. There are those that have an evil eye. Everything they think is evil. Every person they meet, they think an evil thought. They can't find good in people. They can't do anything but find fault with people. Because the evil thoughts that come out of their house. And I know people that live like that. That live ultra separated. They dress, I mean, absolutely perfect according to the law of the Pharisee. Their dietary restrictions, their methods of living, their separation from the world. They would never think of owning the television. They would never have the internet in their house. Someone wouldn't have electricity. All the worldly endeavors, yet venom spews out of their mouth because they can think good of no man, but only think evil thoughts. Out of the heart come evil thoughts. And my friend, those evil thoughts are revealed through your lips. And he goes on and says they perceive evil thoughts, murders. Murder starts in the heart. And murder but murder is not just the killing of man, although we understand that there is a time that that is certainly murder, but the Word of God tells us in 1 John, and he speaks of these things, but who hateth his brother is a murderer, 1 John 3 and 15, and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. So he tells you in verse 15, whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. How do you hate your brother? You hate him in your heart. We know the great example of that is Cain and Abel. We understand that, but that hasn't changed. Yet there are people that go around, they hate their parents. They hate their children. They hate their aunt, their uncle, their neighbor. They have hatred in their hearts. They cannot see that this is what's defiling them. They dress right, live right, spit white. But yet their heart has defiled them in this matter of murder in the heart. And it's it's amazing. I hear a lot of things said concerning sin after you get saved. There are sinless perfections. who believe you can't sin after you get saved, but they don't understand the outward man versus the inward man. But that inward man that's been sanctified into Christ cannot have murder in his heart. And that's why he said, we know absolutely no murderer hath eternal life abided in him. And if you hate your brother, you're a murderer. Therefore, you can't hate your brother and be saved. That's what the word of God says. I've heard all kinds of things about you can't do this and be saved. You can't do this and be saved. The Bible says you cannot do and be saved. What you cannot do is hate your brother. Have that murder in your heart and be saved. That's what the word of God says. But it comes out of an evil heart. Why? Your heart's been defiled. Your heart is wicked. Your heart is vile. The outward appearance cannot change that. Therefore, it has takes God to make that mighty work, to change that inner man, to change that heart, to make it, make it think good, to get the murder out of it, the hatred out, to give love in place of murder. And then he says adulteries. They start in the heart. No man has ever fallen in adultery. And you hear that all the time, he fell in sin. No, he deliberately went into sin. He willfully ignored all the warnings, the law of God, and he deliberately goes off and he goes into sin on purpose. Why? It starts with a thought. It th- starts with that look. He tells you that David looked. He saw Bathsheba bathing. Should he have looked? No, he shouldn't have looked. What kind of man watches a woman bathe? Well, a carnal man, a wicked man. And yet then he went and took her, took her into himself, and he laid with her. And so that look led to lust. Lust brought forth sin. Sin is when it's finished, bringing forth death. Therefore, David had death visit his house. Why did death visit his house? Well, it cost the lives of his sons. Amnon died. Absalom died. Adonijah died. All in the house of David. The sword did not depart from his house. The baby Bathsheba had died also as well. Why? Because that look led to lust. And David should have never looked, but he had that adultery in his heart. And that's an awful thing. David's a great king. He's a great man of God, a great prophet of God. There's not a man alive today that could hold a candle to David, a man after God's own heart. Yet God had aught with David in the matter of Bathsheba. The matter of Uriah the Hittite took another man's wife unto himself. That comes out of the heart. He just didn't stumble into that. He conceived that. He looked, began to conceive, began to think about it, began to ponder it. Why? Because of a wicked heart, the thoughts of an evil and a wicked heart. And men today would do not guard their hearts. They'll find themselves in the throes, through the imaginations, through the evil thoughts. They'll find themselves adulterous because of the vileness of the wickedness of their heart. Ladies, well, adultery is not just a man's sin. Ladies get desperate. Ladies, they have a need, mostly emotionally. And I don't want to get into the psychology of it, God forbid. But most of it's an emotional need. They're worried about being alone. They're worried about not getting enough attention, and nobody likes them, and they try to get attention from a man. It's one of the dangers of having men and women in the workplace together. People say, well, that's just kind of old-fashioned, isn't it? No, that's just reality. Over the years in the workplace, I saw so many relationships between people at work, flings, relationships, dating, marriages destroyed, husbands destroyed, wives destroyed. Why? Because the evilness of heart, the wickedness of adulterous thoughts. And it's all over the place. I've seen men leave their wives for a woman at work and then, of course, fall flat on their face, which to me brings great joy that they fell flat on their face. And they go around crying and moping how lonely they are because they had wickedness in their heart, adultery in their heart. He goes on. Then he says fornications, same concept, different act. Fornication is that one that's not married. It's any act of sexual impurity outside the bonds of marriage is fornication. And it starts in the heart. Men don't believe the law of God. They don't believe the word of God. We're programmed into people today that you got to fool around and play. You got to, you know, tickle each other's fancies and you got to, you know, explore and experiment. And it just leads to wickedness because it's in the hearts of men to do that. And you can't go blame society and blame your friends and blame magazines and billboards and all the Internet and the effects of these things upon you. No, fornication is bound up in your heart. Therefore, God has to cleanse it. And he said thefts. Nobody likes a thief. And I mean, absolutely nobody likes a thief. There's nothing worse than a thief. As a matter of fact, they nailed two thieves to the cross in Roman times. Why? Because that's what they thought of thieves. But theft comes in the heart. I want that. I'm going to take that. It doesn't belong to me, but I'll take that. Therefore, they steal. Why? Because it's bound up in their heart to steal. And then Jesus Christ says, false witness. And by the way, he's going right to the Ten Commandments here. Now, bearing false witness against you is bound up in your heart. Why is it bound up in your heart? Because you don't want to be exposed. You've got a cover up. You're a liar. And some of it is malice, some of it's hatred, varied strife, but you just a liar. What, a, what an awful thing. Nobody likes a liar. Nobody, it's amazing, society tolerates fornication, they tolerate adultery, God hates it. They tolerate some murderers, as long as you're the right race and the right color and you can kill people, or if you're a doctor and you medically kill a baby, they, they don't mind that at all. But they do not tolerate a thief, do not tolerate lying, that false witness, and God doesn't tolerate It comes out of a wicked heart. And then he said, blasphemies. And the blasphemy is against God, those that mock God, those that make light of God, those that curse the name of God, the blaspheming. that comes out of the wicked heart. These are the things which defile a man. But then he summarized this whole chapter with, but to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. You're better off having a clean heart than clean hands. You can go out there and dig in the manure pit and pull a sandwich out of your pocket and eat it. It will not defile you. It will not defile you. It may defile your stomach. You might get sick and puke a while. But the reality is it's not going to defile who you are. But those thoughts of your heart will defile you permanently. Those hearts, if you don't get right with God and get those things sorted out with God, they will defile you permanently. Yet we have a whole generation that's worried about the cleanness of their hands. They're obsessed with cleaning their hands, washing their hands, hand sanitizer, wiping your hands. I told them the other day, I watched them go out of the sheet store using their elbow to touch the door. They still won't touch door handles, still won't touch door. They're obsessed with the cleanness of their hands, but they're not obsessed with the cleanness of their hearts, and their hearts are vile and desperately wicked. And I would not be for the saying of God. If you've got those things in your heart, God must get them out. You must get right with God. You must confess them to God. I hope it's been a help. Lord Willem, we'll see you on the podcast again tomorrow.
0: There is a lost soul who's tired of the sinning, and he longs to stars